This is going to be the greatest Dolphins in Depth show of all time. Okay? There it is. It's on the table. Now go and make it that star of the show, Adam Beasley. Go. I am going to predict the future. Like what is <laughs> accurately or you know, I mean we can all predict the future. What is it? Karnak? Was that yeah, that they Carson was more your generation than mine. Was that with Karnak? Is that uh, what uh, uh, how old are you? Uh I'm forty two. Okay, so sixteen seventeen years is a generation? Oh yeah. I thought it was twenty, but that's okay. Yeah, well you can round up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, Karnak. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's me. Uh, very very dated reference uh, for any of our listeners, <laughs> probably the vast majority of which weren't alive when Carson was Karnak. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that was three uh, two hosts ago or something. My prediction is because we're going to see for the very first time in 2021 um, a Miami Dolphins practice. And, and to be honest, we don't. I'm not sure when this will run on Sirius, but uh, the practice may have occurred by the time this airs. We're, we're taping this for full disclosure on a Monday afternoon. Um, it'll be online soon on MiamiHerald.com, and, and we have a we have a le- weekly spot with our uh, SiriusXM partners. Um, but I, I am guessing that you are going to see a lot of rookies in prominent roles. Practice would one for the media, certainly not practice one for them that they are going to uh, use these rookies that they just picked up two, three, four weeks ago uh, in ways that will astonish us. And we won't be able to report too much of it because there are, there are rules that kind of hamper our, our, you know, our access in that regard. They don't want all the secrets being out. But one of the secrets is already out. I, I reported today that uh, Jalen Waddell is running with the ones. And I don't think – and not exclusively, of course, but he is, he is getting first-team reps – uh, in the slot. So, um, and I don't think he's going to be an anomaly. I think that they have a lot of rookies that they think that can play significant roles. You've written uh, eloquently about Javon Holland, uh, the upside they see in him by moving on from Bob McCain. That tells me they think he is ready to at least compete for one of those spots. I think Leon Eichenberg is going to see first team reps uh, at right tackle. And uh, Jalen Phillips will absolutely be in the mix on the edge. So doing my best uh, predicting the future, I think that they're going to the, – the rookies are going to hit the ground running in practice, and we're going to see a lot of them on Wednesday. Which is kind of different from a year ago. And by the way, it should be that way because these rookies won't have the same kind of reasoning behind them that last year's rookies did where they didn't have the offseason, they didn't have – OTAs, they didn't have conditioning, they didn't have uh, preseason games, and then it was hit the ground running for training camp and then immediately following the regular season. These rookies are going to get trained up, they're going to have time, and they're very high draft picks. I mean, Jalen Waddle is, you know, he's not playing quarterback now, but he was the number six overall draft pick. And if you look, there was a Jacksonville Jaguars YouTube channel had an inside look at the Jacksonville Jaguars draft boards and drafts. Mm -hmm. They graded Jalen Waddle as with the same grade as what they graded Trevor Lawrence. 
the same grade. Wow, I didn't see that. Where where did you find that? Um, I tweeted it out this morning. And so, also, Jalen Phillips had a higher grade than Kyle Wilson, who is the New York Jets' first-round draft pick and a quarterback. So the Jacksonville Jaguars believe that Dolphins' first-round pick, Jalen Waddell, has the same draft grade as their number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, and they believe that Dolphins' number 18 pick, Jalen Phillips, has a better overall pick or an overall grade than Zach Wilson of the New York Jets, who was picked, I believe, number two. Correct. He was the second pick in the draft. That is that is accurate. Which, and again, you you can go down the list, and there are uh, who was it, Charlie Casserly, that said that uh, he had a first round grade. I believe it was Casserly. Don't hold me to that. First round grade for Eichenberg. I mean, there are there are some there are some talent that got. Uh, a talent influx into that locker room uh, from the draft. And I think something else that they're telling us, obviously having the spring to, to work these guys in and let them take their lumps early is helpful. But uh, I, I remember you wrote uh, pretty astutely last year that the 2020 draft was more about 2021, that they took right. a lot of, pro- they took a lot of projects that year. And certainly we barely saw Noah Bignogany on the field uh, after that Bills game. I mean, he played special teams some, but he wasn't. He was not a regular rotation defensive back for them. Um, and 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 Tua, I mean, he yeah, he was. He took him six weeks to see the field, and then after that, they benched him twice. So it's not like they were fully fully confident in his abilities in year one. I don't know if that's going to be the case with these rookies. I think they're going to expect more from them than they did last year's. There's no doubt, and I I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly or it's going to come across correctly, but it's very possible that the Dolphins' first-round picks this year are going to end up being better than the Dolphins' first-round picks last year. Well, yeah, I mean, really, it's Tua. I mean, if Tua is a stud, I think you grade on a curve for quarterbacks. Uh, but if he's just a guy and Jalen Waddle is a baller and, 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 and Jalen Phillips goes out and gets you nine, ten sacks as a rookie, which is now the realm of possibility, yeah, I think you might be right. Well, I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about in if you open it up to a horizon, mm-hmm. if we're six or seven years down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if we look back at the 2020 Dolphins draft and the 2021 Dolphins draft and you see the 2021 draft and go, hmm, that was a little bit better. Even though their assets were better in 2020, and they didn't really have a year of evaluation in 21 because of the pandemic. I mean, they didn't, they didn't see Javon Holland since 2020. They barely saw Jalen Waddell. In, uh, they didn't see, I'm sorry, Holland since 2019. They barely saw Waddell in 2020 because he was hurt. Um and and they didn't have the entire off season combine and forty thirty visits and all that. Uh, it would be pretty remarkable. And they had fewer assets too, right? They didn't have three first round picks this year like they did the year before. That'd be kind of crazy if it worked out that way. Yeah, they only had two first round picks. It was it was <laughs> it was a bad year. It was a bad year. They only had two first round picks and only two second round picks. They 
Chris Greer, you got to do better accumulating some high picks. Well, he's going to be at he's going to be out of sorts next year. He just has one one and one two. Uh, <laughs> that is a that is a good point. Uh, but of course, there's trading to be done in the next uh, you know year and a half. So yeah, and see. I, I think they're going to make significant trades uh, from their roster. I think that we can be fairly certain that the reason they're hoarding all these wide receivers is that they want a team to get desperate and take one in, September, in August or September. I mean, I think so, that's that, that's the only thing that explains why all these guys are still on the team. So why would, I mean, a seventh-round pick for Alan Hearns, someone going to give that? Yeah, I mean, if it assures them they get him. I mean, there's if, 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 the thing about a trade is if you give up a late-round pick, you're guaranteed to get the guy. Where if, I don't know if Hearns would have to pass through waivers. He might be beyond that. But some of these younger guys would have to go through waivers, and there's no guarantee that the number will come up, or there's no guarantee if he passes through waivers that, that Hearns would want to sign with that team. So I think that there are pieces that they could move. Uh, I don't know. I mean, with all – with if Eichenberg shows great strides and Fluker uh, is, a, is a dependable swing tackle and he can play and you can depend on him, I mean, or is there any guarantee that they don't try to flip Jesse Davis for an asset? I, that wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. I, I, you know, fair. I like Jesse Davis on the team, not necessarily because he's a great player. I just think he's a good, he's a, he's a good soldier. Mm-hmm. And you got to have good soldiers if you're going to go into battle. Everybody can't be a general. What can I tell you? I like Jesse Davis. I wish they had shown more interest in Morgan Moses, but they haven't. And so, therefore, well, something that um, new offensive line coach uh, Lem Jean-Pierre said that we talked about today is that this is a team that's this is an offensive line that was really young last year, and they're not that much older this year. And so, you do need some of that veteran presence in that room. Like you can't just deal with all young guys and BJ Fluker. I know, I know, Skur has got some, you know, some tread off that tire too. So, uh, but I think one thing they really do like about Davis, in addition to his versatility, is that he's he's a team leader. He is a he is a good dude. He's a good guy. His teammates love him, and so that could be, you know, if if you get offered a fifth or a sixth round pick, it might not be worth it if you if you think you're losing out more uh, by losing his leadership. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesse Davis is a captain this year. He was last year, is that right? Um, well, the last year the captains were um, Ted Karras. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a captain. Uh, Bobby McCain was a captain. <laughs> Kyle Vannoy was a captain. Uh, Frazier was a captain on special teams. All gone. I'm, I'm, sensing, a, I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah. Oh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was a captain as well last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a captain. Yeah, obviously they're, they need to hold on to some guys for leadership. Let me ask you this. You also reported uh, today that the Dolphins are hosting a pass rusher. Yes. Uh, Melvin Ingram is a name that you know, NFL fans know. Uh believe he's got nearly 50 sacks in his career, more than uh, around 70 tackles for loss, and the Dolphins are kicking the tires on him and they're 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 having him for a visit today. Again, by the time this this airs, he 
might be a dolphin, he might not be a dolphin. So full disclosure, if, if, if the news outpaces this podcast, we apologize. But um, just, just from the information that we know now, um, it kind of makes sense because uh, we talked about all free agency, about how they needed more veteran edge rush help. Uh, and then they went and drafted, as you mentioned, uh, Jalen Phillips, and we kind of forgot about that. Well, the Dolphins didn't forget. They apparently think they still need a little bit of help on the edge. And uh, if they get him, they've got like $13 million of cap space. If they get him on a one-year, $3 million, $4 million contract, and he gives them you know, 20, 25 snaps a game in pass rushing situations, I, I think that's a good deal. We go now to the home of Jason Strobridge, for reaction on the visit of Melvin Ingram with the Dolphins today. Jason? I was going to go, the the sad trombone. Yeah, Uh, they apparently apparently have not seen what they've needed to see out of him. Oh, man. You're Jason Strobridge, and you're – you're wanting that year two leap that everybody on this organ in this organization is discussing. Year two leap, and you're thinking I'm gonna be year two leaping, and <laughs> yet Melvin Ingram in the house. Uh-oh. Yeah, year two leaping to the waiver wire, maybe. Um, I don't know uh, if if Jason Strobridge gets uh, somehow moved along. Trust me, we're predicting the future. He ends up in Cincinnati. Book it. He ends up in Cincinnati. Explain why. Well, the Dolphins had a defensive line coach Mm -hmm. uh, up until the end of last season, which they, you know, they, they had a high regard for. And said defensive line coach at the end of the season was no longer with the Dolphins. His name is Marion Hobby, and Marion Hobby liked Jason Strobridge a lot. And so that's why I think that, and he's now with the Cincinnati Bengals. And so, you know, I'm just putting dots together because that's mm. what I do. I connect dots for a living. You don't think Austin Clark likes uh, Jason Strobridge? I'm sure, but if if Austin Clark has... Melvin Ingram, by the way, (laughs) so Melvin Ingram, he's interesting because the Dolphins, not as an organization, but as a stadium, Hard Rock Stadium. Remember last year when the Dolphins played the Los Angeles Chargers? You remember that? The games kind of run together. Refresh my memory. The Dolphins last year played the Los Angeles Chargers. Confirm it for me, please. Yes. uh, Yes, they did. Thank you. Didn't they befuddle uh, a certain rookie quarterback that day? They, uh, they, they, yeah, they amoebaed Justin Herbert. But the greater point that I was trying to make is that during that game, and I think prior to that game, during warm-ups, they, when the Chargers came out to warm up, they put up Melvin Ingram's stats on the, <laughs> on the, on the quadruple board, you know the Dolphins Hard Rock Stadium has big boards at each mm, corner, each of the I four totally corners. forgot about this. This is a good at story. Melvin Ingram's stats for 2020 at the time, zero sacks. And I believe he ended up with zero sacks for the season, no? 
Yeah, I mean, Austin Jackson did a pretty good job on them. It was a Robert Hunt. I can't remember which one that kind of swallowed him up, but they're not. If if, if the Dolphins sign uh, Melvin Ingram, it's not to be their starting outside linebacker or you know edge defender or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's to be a spot player that's going to give them a certain skill set, and that skill set's getting after the quarterback. But as you mentioned, last year didn't go according to plan. Now, in his defense, he had a pretty significant injury season. He went twice on injured reserve with, I believe, the same knee injury. He hurt it, came back, and then hurt it again. So uh, I, I tried to look. It's unclear if he had surgery in the offseason where that stands. My guess is that's, you know, as they meet today, that's a big part of it's the uh, the medical to see where he's at. Of course. Um, I'm a little... I'm a little befuddled why no one showed any interest in Melvin Ingram uh, in free agency before now. Yeah. Um, the Chiefs had him for a visit two months ago, and nothing came about from that. So, yeah, if whoever he signs with, or whether it's the Dolphins or any other team that, that needs uh, pass rush help, it's not going to be for a lot of money. and It's not certainly not going to be for a lot of years. I think he's 32 now, which might make him, if he signs, the oldest player on the team. I believe that would be the case. The Dolphins don't often sign uh, 30-plus free agents, and uh, and Ingram is certainly on the wrong side of that number. Uh, but again, if it's low risk, high reward, I'm all for it. We go now to the home of Jason Strobridge for reaction <laughs> on Melvin Ingram, who is visiting with the Dolphins today, having zero sacks last year and coming off of multiple knee injuries. Whew! Wow. Okay. I have a chance. There's the reaction. <laughs> There's the reaction. As long as he as long as he passes a physical, he might be one up on Ingram's. So. That, is, that is a good point. Hey, uh, so when we come back, uh, I know Beasley has other news nuggets and other uh, issues that we need to take care of. Uh, what say that we do come back after this break, Beasy? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So, start of the show, Adam Beasley. Today was an interesting day because we heard for the first time from co-offensive coordinators Eric Studesville and George Godsey of the Miami Dolphins. And your takeaway from that session was what? Brian Flores has absolutely rubbed off on both of them. Uh, Neither of them, I don't think either of them spent time in New England, but they've certainly embraced the Patriot way. 
because uh, both of them did a great job of shedding very, very little light on, as you put it pretty well in the column, the biggest one of the biggest questions of the offseason is what's the offensive playbook going to look like? And the, what I got from that is it could look like anything. And that's exactly the message they wanted to leave with us when they spoke with us today. That's absolutely true. The one place where I don't think it did rub off the Patriot way we're talking about is the Patriots basically ran the same, if not a very similar offense for like 20 years. It worked. It was good. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. the quarterback had something to do with that. But Mm -hmm. even through coordinators, and they had, I think, two, three coordinator switches during those years, including – uh, Charlie Weiss and McDaniel and also um, Bob – is it Bob yeah, Bill O'Brien? O'Brien. Bill yeah, Bill O'Brien. O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they pretty much kept the book even though they had different people calling plays from the book. Whereas the Dolphins, the book from the last couple of years, it's going to be part of it. The book from other places, eh, it's going to be part of it. The book from Charlie Fry's mind, yeah, it's going to be part of it. Guess what? There's going to be part of it, parts of it from the Adam Gase playbook. <laughs> bubble screens? Are we going to see some bubble screens? I, I, I know that fans love to hear that. That's why I'm laughing, because it's true. Because it's true. They're going to use some Adam Gase stuff in this offensive playbook. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Well, and some things are transferable. I mean, there's Gase did, and he'll admit he made some mistakes, but he also got you know pretty good production out of Ryan Tannehill before Tannehill's knee exploded. So uh, I, 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 I will never begrudge people from learning from mistakes and successes, and they had some successes in Miami under Adam Gase. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Um, to me, I, I think the broader issue is this. 2020 was not about maximizing Tua Tunga by Loa. 2020, to my, in my mind, was about developing the team and surviving a rough situation, the pandemic and uh, not being able to get all these rookies in. And we saw pretty – it was pretty clear early on that Tua wasn't going to be the guy to start the season. So they didn't, they didn't craft a playbook, a system for Tua. And, in fact – um, they hired an offensive coordinator who had his greatest success under Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if you doused him with uh, truth serum, you know, two-thirds of the way through the year, probably wish that, that, that Fitzpatrick was still the starter. Um, none of that's the case anymore. None of that. There's no, there are no, there's no emotional investment in that building, certainly that, the, the co-offensive coordinator spot, uh, to a system that failed last year. There's not. So I, you know, I, I think it's good that they're they're taking some you know, maybe general themes from from Chan Gailey's offense, but people forget George Godsey had that job in another town, like he was the offensive coordinator for like a year and a half in Houston, and I think it would be more instructive for all of us, myself included, to look to that, uh, what he did then, what worked then, what didn't then, than what the Dolphins have done because he's, I mean, Godsey's had very little control over. The plays have been called. The system that's been drawn up. Uh, he he was new with with flow in 2019, right? That was that was both their first years. No. Uh, oh, oh, you mean Godsey? 
Yeah, Godsey, because Stewartsville predated, predated uh, Flow, Correct. but I think I think Godsey was a Flow hire. Um, yes. So, so I mean, Godsey has an entire career of experiences, some good, some bad, that he can draw from, and and I I think he's you're going to see certainly if 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 the, the you know the dynamic changes greatly and somehow Deshaun Watson's at some point the quarterback of this team which I still don't think is out of the realm of possibility probably is for 21 but not forever uh because he's still not reporting to the Texans he still wants to be traded and I'm sure the Texans want it sounds like the Texans want his legal issues at least from the civil side to be resolved as soon as as possible so they can get rid of the guy um but regardless no matter who the quarterback is I think some of Godsey's principles will carry over from his time in Houston. And one of those principles, Armando, is an affinity for big targets. Like, he loves big wide receivers. I think that's one of the reasons that Preston Williams is still on the team. I think it's one of the reasons that they went out and drafted another tight end after having, like, four in the room already, including three that played meaningful snaps last year. So uh, how much of that they go they turn to will be, will be intriguing. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see a lot of two tight end sets this year. That would be interesting. And by the way, uh, for the record, I love Adam Gase, and I think Adam Gase was the best head coach the Dolphins have had since Joe Philbin. So uh, oh, he's better than Dan Campbell. Uh, oh yeah, no. Did Dan Campbell go to the playoffs? I don't think so. Uh, so I, I think Adam Gase. You know, weren't they one and four? Uh, Dan Campbell had a much shallower uh hole to dig out of and he couldn't yeah that's so, true what were they so, with yeah. similar talent yeah i think they uh, fired philbin after one and three right uh, and adam and, gase was one and four and went ten and six so i love adam gase but the reason i was telling people and it was really a troll uh a troll job by me that the dolphins offense will include adam gase stuff is because the guy who ha- hired uh, Studesville was Adam Gase, and Studesville was in Denver uh, under Adam Gase, in part. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they they share a philosophy in certain things. And so some of that stuff is going to translate to the future or the current Dolphins offense. That's what I I'm, was saying. No, no, no. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hijack the, the, the segment for a second. Do you, where do you think Gase lands? I don't know. Um, I, you know, there was talk of him going to New England, and then that got sidestriped because although that they were uh, roommates at some point, I'm not sure that Gase wants to be in a position where he's working for Josh McDaniel. So I don't think that that's that's a thing. There, was there would be talk two of two very big yeah, two very big egos in the same room if those guys were on the same staff. Uh, there was talk of Alabama, and obviously, you know, Nick Saban has has rehabbed a lot of coaches. And you go coach for Nick Saban. First of all, you're going to win. Second of all, you're going to have more talent than the other guy. Third of all, your career is going to take a definitive, definitive. Uh, upswing, uh, but that hasn't happened either. So I'm not sure what what Adam Gase is going to end up doing. Uh, I'm sure that he doesn't need any money. <laughs> we can that is the that is the truest thing either of us said this entire uh, podcast that he does not need the money. No, 
so the man is making $5 million a year from the time that he was with the Dolphins to the time that he was with the Jets, and he's still going to be making money from the Jets this year. So I think he's good. I think yeah. he's uh, – if I was Adam Gase, you would never give – I would never give you another chance to utter my name uh, with with scorn on your <laughs> lips ever again because I'm spending my millions, all as forty pejor- or fifty million of them. As a pejorative, you would not, you would never let that let that happen again, ever, ever, because I've got much more money than you. I really do. You, you know what? I, I wouldn't surprise me if he ends up in the broadcast booth. He'd be good. He'd be really good at that. Because he knows the game, and he, he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, but I I just, I don't know. I don't think that's the direction he wants to go. Um, and, and I know now you brought that up, and there's going to be people that are going to be talking about uh, him on television. And I'm sure he would be saying, me on television? Are you kidding? <laughs> well, you know, if, if you're the color commentator, they, they, you know, you're only actually on camera maybe three minutes the entire uh, <laughs> the entire game. And the rest would just be him yammering as a, you know, as a disembodied head. So, um, no, I, look, I, I, I think he's a smart guy. I think he will ha- would have some options. The question is, we, we talked about this, what, what will his – psyche allow him to do because sure he could i'm sure he could go get a, a college job he could get he, he could go <clears throat> work in the big 10 somewhere he could work in the pac-12 somewhere pac-12 would be fun because you could throw the ball every down um and but does he want to do that does he want to make recruiting trips does he want to deal with boosters i mean college football is a grind in a much different way than the nfl is does he have to does he want to worry about his his kids flunking out of school. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that are involved with going back to college. And I, I just, I think he is, he is an NFL, he has an NFL mindset. He just needs to find an NFL job. True enough. You know that Adam Gase worked for Nick Saban at Michigan State. 